Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and here with me as always is my good friendy, Shawnee Lewisy. Hey, doing, mate? Going well, thank you, Jonathan. Not that your name is Jonathan. I've still got over those tech hurdles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting one for you. You're uh, fighting some some technological battles at your household. Um, yeah, I for those that don't know, um, I bought an old computer. Um, thinking that given that all of my computer is doing is navigating to a web page and recording um, and all my editing is offline. So it's pretty low, low key stuff that I'd be able to get away with an older computer. Um, it took me probably 20 minutes to navigate to a web page today. Um, and when I say older, I don't even mean that much older, maybe 10 years. It should, it shouldn't be that bad. Um, so it was. I've ended up switching to my wife's laptop. It was um, a very frustrating experience, and then switching to a modern and newish laptop um, has reminded me why using reasonable technology is still important. So that's on me. But I'm glad that we're back. We got over that tech hurdle. It only took us thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a bit of a pain in the ass, but hey, that's uh, that's all right. Anything to get to the podcast finally. Um, before we jump into it, mate, Mental Health Minute, how are you doing and uh, how is your mental health tracking? Yeah, mental health is tracking okay. Um, so I'm finishing up this week at work, um, which is, it's been probably better since it had, had a couple of events last week, like a going away drinks and um, an event where I got to meet a lot of the candidates that I'd worked with this year um, and hear about the jobs that they're in. And it just sort of brought a close to that chapter, um, which was which was nice. Um, probably before that, I think I was mentioning that I was feeling a little bit lost um, in the transition. And other than that, um, tech frustrations uh, make me angry, but I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty pretty well balanced and relaxed. Besides that, mate, how are you doing? Yeah, good mate. Uh, a little bit of an end. Got a, We work through to uh, Christmas Eve, so um, even though we we um, we can knock off a little bit earlier on Christmas Eve, I guess. But it's yeah, it's all, all the way through, and basically with uh, most of our sh- sites shutting down this week, it means that we we basically get to chase up chase up all our paperwork, <laughs> um, which is actually kind of a nice feeling because you you kind of if you if you can nail it all in the last week, you you kind of come back next year and you feel pretty refreshed and, and you haven't got a, 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 you know, a ream of paper sitting on your desk. Not that that's, that's a thing anymore, but yeah, it feels like you haven't got 20,000 tasks sitting in your task list on, on Outlook um, when you get back. So that's, that's quite good and had a good day today, ticking a lot of things off. And um, so that was nice. And yeah, just everything at home's going well, um, you know, start of the festive season. So, you know, um, Starting to gather, we had our, you know, one of our family things on the weekend and, you know, obviously Christmas Day will be nice and busy and 
I did manage to secure myself a ticket to the Boxing Day test uh, on Boxing Day, so I'm pretty excited to go there. Um, awesome. But, but also, yeah, yeah, it is awesome, but it's also a luxury and I guess probably that's, that's I know you put it up on online today and, um, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's, um, it's pretty sad to see what's happening in New South Wales, hoping that, you know, they've, they've got enough done to, to suppress uh, their little outbreak, but it couldn't have happened at a worse time, obviously a time of the year and a pretty rough year as it is where people want to gather together and, Unfortunately, there's been an outbreak up there and, you know, to uh, anyone listening in New South Wales or um, anyone affected by the lockdown, um, you know, we're just wishing you guys the best and, you know, um, it it sucks and and we just hope you, you know, hopefully you can get some joy out of the the period Um, and, yeah, fingers crossed for, for good news tomorrow and the day after and the day after that, so. Yeah, it's very much so that and, I mean, just as a, as a whole, really, um, we just need to look after one another. I even saw some of the panic. Um, I was reading a Geelong Addy article that, um, you know, some of the people that had visited Sydney's northern beaches were in Geelong, um, which, of course, is going to happen because people have visited everywhere. But I actually know one of the people that is affected by that, so lives in Sydney, um, has travelled down to Victoria, for holidays seeing family and had visited Northern Beaches, um, has received a negative test from um, their COVID test on the way down um, and is still required to self-isolate for another week. Um, So they won't be out for Christmas Day. Um, So it, it is being taken very seriously. There's no need to panic if you're Victorians that it's somewhat somehow people have stuck through or anything. It's nothing like that. It's still being managed very well. Same from Sydney's end. They're, they're all, everyone's trying to do their best. I think that Sydney have done a fair bit of heavy lifting in terms of quarantining across the course of the year as well. And, and really as a country, we just got to stand by each other and go, let's, let's just do our best to get through this. Cause it's, it's not easy for anyone. And Australia as a whole is dealing with it. Um, better than a lot of the world's and and it sort of provides a little bit of context when you zoom out and you go well you, you know it sucks not being able to see family at christmas time um it, it sucks having some of these things being cancelled and being locked down but there are bigger things that suck and we've just got to try to avoid that um a lot, lot of lot of permanent damage that can't be ever reversed so i mean that's i guess the definition of permanent there yeah. Um, going on globally. So we just have to stick together as much as we possibly can and and we'll get through it. Yeah, and look, like, I mean, yeah, we had, um, you know, my brother-in-law was, was actually, he flew up to Sydney kind of the day of um, the first kind of cases and, and, you know, within two days, you know, he's got every one of us uh, messaging, telling him to get out of Sydney before they close the border. Um and, you know, he, he's lucky that he's got money and he was able to get a flexible flight and he got back to Melbourne, um, unlike, you know, there are other people who are still stuck up there. And, you know, um, he he got back and we had a family Christmas on, on Saturday, um, but he couldn't attend because he was still waiting for his COVID test to come back. So, um, you know, uh, it, it sucks and it really sucked that he couldn't be there. Um, but, you know, we're all 
you know, appreciative of the fact that, you know, he did the right thing, he isolated. And, and that's the thing we've got to show a bit of appreciation for, for people who who are sucking it up. And, and you know, it, it really isn't the best um, to miss out on those things. But, you know, they're making sacrifices for us as a whole, as a community. And, and I guess, you know, that's why when we, when we talk about, you know, the people in New South Wales, rather than saying, oh, bloody New South Wales, let a let something slip through the cracks or whatever you know we've got to talk about it with compassion and you know you know empathize with people who are up there um and you know just hope for the best because you know we've done a good job in australia to to you know keep it under control and we just need to do it for another few months while the vaccines roll out so yeah totally do mate um i mean we're ready to jump into the main part of the episode picking up from where we left off last time yeah, absolutely, mate. So we um, we're going to pick up from uh, Geelong, I believe. So I think we did Fremantle, um, yep. and we're going to jump into Geelong. So uh, I actually can't remember how I did this. So I was just reading out the picks. They started. You were reading out the picks, and then we were analysing. Cool. All right. So they started the draft with uh, pick twenty seven, fifty one, and ninety five. They made a few moves, which John will read out in a second. So their first selection was. Max Holmes at 20, um, who is a, uh, a late bolter, I guess we'd say. In the, in the few nights before the draft, he just kind of went from being a, you know, kind of late draft projection rookie almost to, to bolting inside the, the first round. Um, next up was the West Australian big man in Shannon Neal. And finally, a tallish defender 192 in in nick stevens there at 47 so um did you want to talk about because i think they made a fairly uh, like a trade was the first bit so i might let you read out trades and then we can have a bit of a discussion about their their picks yeah no, that sounds good to me mate um so the the trade was geelong's first round pick future first round pick um, in order to acquire pick 20, which was from Richmond, I believe. Yeah, okay. So basically they gave up what will probably be next year. About you know, pick 20, given matching and stuff like that. Is there that many first-round draft picks? Now I thought there's only one or two next year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still think it'll probably, like, what we've seen from the last few years is that it's typically gone out to about pick 22, Yep. Um, so I'm just using a, a standard year. Yep. So I guess, yeah, so 20 for 20. Um, what are your thoughts on Max Holmes? I'll let you you talk about him first, and then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. I didn't think it was necessary. Um, I mean, I mostly didn't think it was necessary because it's not like he was, um, he was somebody that was necessarily sliding. Um, and, and going to be available. And he's not someone that had a huge amount of runs on the board as well. Um, so, I mean, he was projected as a late draft pick or a rookie. Um, so to have somebody swap, swap in at the last minute and take him with a first-round selection, um, even a late first-round selection, was pretty surprising. Um, I didn't think it was necessary because he's, he's not going to be playing next year. Um, and... The cats aren't in a position. I felt that they needed more developing players based upon their strategy. So I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning was. Potentially, they just saw something that they liked in his athletic profile. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, athletic profile is probably the right way to describe him. <laughs> he is, uh, you know, athletically gifted. So he, he blitzed the 2K time trial, um, ran a, I think he was the second or third for the 20-meter sprint as well. So endurance and speed. So it's a good combo right there. Um, yeah, he, he's, you know, he, he didn't play a lot. Uh, in his bottom age year because of uh, an injury. I think it was a broken arm or something. So, um, and then, yeah, obviously missing the season from COVID. Um, I mean, I don't think he slid, he would have slid much further. I believe Melbourne was shaping up to, to take him, which is why potentially um, Geelong jumped in. Um, yeah. I think I'm with you here. I, I'm not sure about how it works with their, uh, their kind of list build. Uh, I'm not, yeah, that's that's the part. Like, I've got no problems in a team jumping up and taking him. Um, and as as you kind of said with the trade, it'll probably be about right. Um, so there's no real markdown on the trade. The question is, you know, um, is he the one that that they should have done that for? Um, so yeah, it just I, seemed like it just seemed like a year that um, in general you didn't need to trade out of the future given that next year's draft crop, we're going to have a whole lot more information on. I mean, not, not to be fair, it has been more like recent information. You'll still only have one year, given that these guys will all have only had their bottom year's worth of data, plus a tiny little bit from this year if you played interstate. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Look, I'm not, look, I'm not against it. I think he, he's got a large upside. Um, needs to needs to probably clean up his disposal a bit. Um I probably see him ending up as a as a wingman, um, and he and he's going to be able to learn for a couple of years off Isaac Smith, which is a great thing. Um, and you know, he could potentially be that. That's what he should be looking to try and emulate is being that tall wingman like Isaac Smith. So, um, yeah. it, it, look, it's not it's not a bad selection. I, I just I, I'm a bit like you. I just can't quite. It doesn't quite fit the list, list build in my head, and and I you yeah know, for the, for that I kind of am like well, you know. Uh, at pick 20 next year, are they going to regret it? Um, so that'll be interesting. But um, I love the pick of Shannon Neal. Um, I thought they would probably stick local because that's what they tend to do um, and, and go after um, Henry Walsh. But um, look, Shannon Neal equally is good a prospect. And I think I said this on the mock draft podcast because I had Geelong that I only went with, with Henry Walsh because I felt that he was a... A local boy, and you know they tend to do draft locals. But Shannon Neal was an excellent prospect, and you know, he's a big, big boy, standing two hundred and two, two hundred and three centimeters, and um, you know reasonably good skills for a big man. Can play forward, which you know Geelong love flexibility in a big man. So yeah, um, yeah I think it's a really good selection, and and you know about time they took a, a, a decent, well, yeah, pretty decent ruck, I think, and. And develop yeah, them, so. at the very at the very least, a um, an early rock selection. Um, yeah, you just need to like it. It doesn't have like we're not in a position at the moment to judge whether it's a great selection or whether he's a gun player. But it's early enough that they've they've invested in a player that could really yeah really go well. Yeah, and then Nick Stevens, the last, he just I think he's just adding depth to their back line. Um, He's kind of that 192 centimetre, um, I guess, third, fourth tall backman. So plays yep. a bit more of that intercepting. Um, reasonably nice disposal from what I've seen of him. So uh, I think there's some, something to work with. 
Um, probably, you know, I think he'll probably compete with um, Jake Kolejashny for, for a spot for a while. Um, so he'll probably take a little bit of time, but but certainly increases that depth in the in the back line, and especially with um, with a few guys moving on this year. So yeah, I don't think it's a bad selection at all. So yeah, not a bad selection. I mean, overall, um, relatively uninspiring draft. Um, I mean, they were never going to have the best hand once they traded out all of their first round picks. Um, yeah, but. Liked the selection of Neil, didn't like the trade-up of that future first-round selection. Um, it's probably like a four for me. Uh, look, yeah, I probably rate Holmes a bit higher than you do, and I do think he wouldn't have lasted much longer, but I guess yeah, tra- trading in to get him, uh, I'd probably say, yeah, probably four and a half for me. Okay. Yeah. Do is it because you rated him as a potential selection for Melbourne in those next few picks? Um, no, look, I don't think it's um, just because Melbourne were looking at him in the next few selections. I, I guess once I heard that Melbourne were interested in in Holmes, I started to look at him a bit more closely and, and find what I could on him. Um, and and look, there's a lot to like there. Um, so I don't I don't think it's you know. I don't think it's just purely based on the fact that Melbourne liked him that that I thought that was a, a reasonable selection. I guess I just thought that, um, and this it's unfortunately it's this whole draft is because we you know typically we can go and watch you know a handful of games and we can see you know at each game we watch we can see 10, 11, 12 prospects on the ground. Um, whereas you know this year's just been there's no way we could get across all of the. The, the potential prospects um, this year. So, you know, we, we've kind of picked and choose and, and had to kind of focus our attention on certain ones and, and Holmes wasn't one of the ones that we'd focused attention on or certainly I hadn't. So when, yeah. I, when I heard that Melbourne were interested in him, I wanted to go find out what is this kid like and, and everything. So, um, yeah, look, and, and I, did, I did think he's, a, you know, he looks reasonably handy um, I, and he just hasn't had th- – th- there's just not the – body of evidence to support him at this pick, I guess, is probably um, where yep. you would sit. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. And and I can understand that. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, I think in this draft, it's the one where you could take a risk like this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm the same anyway. I'm always like, don't take a risk at all. Just like if you're going to trade up, I would have been trading up to snare like, Nathan O'Driscoll or somebody like that, that, that I felt like, you know, maybe a club's needs could like really be strong in that area. Maybe Caleb Poulter. Yeah. Caleb Poulter. Um, That's the the one that I would think. Yeah. But I mean, they're both like tall midfielders with more runs on the board. Um, Or Braden Braden Cook. Cook. Yeah. That's what I mean. There's just like more guys around that size um, with a bit more, I don't know. More runs on the board. I like runs on the board. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's you know it's probably one of the things we know between us that you often prefer to see more form than I probably do. I'm probably a little bit more willing to take a risk on you know if they've got a certain athletic or physical profile that uh, I think is AFL ready. I'll typically go for that as well. Um, whereas yep. you usually like to see runs on the board, and, that, and that's just our different biases there. And look, and I think look, if you're talking, you know, athletic profile, this, you know, Max Holmes has it. He's he's you know, 
awesome, you know, quick endurance. Yeah. Um, he can run and jump. He's, you know, probably the, yeah, disposal is probably the one that he just needs to work on. But again, like we haven't seen him disposable properly in a game for getting on almost two years. So, um, yeah, he could have, he could have spent all that time working on it and he's now a lovely disposal of the ball. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I understand it. Um, or I just don't, I don't love it yet, but yep. mo- moving on to the, um, the Gold Coast Suns, I'm happy to step in and take the order for this one. Cause it is not hard. Well, Gold Coast Suns, it is. Pick seven. <laughs> there is some stuff outside of it, but yeah, go. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know. I know that there's other stuff that happens outside, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, Elijah Holland's pick seven was the only action for Gold Coast on the night. And and it couldn't have worked out better for them. Yeah. <laughs> like he fits he fits their what they need. They don't need a lot, but he fits what they need in some way, shape and form because you know, he yep. could he could be a he could be a tremendous forward who floats into the midfield or he could be a tremendous midfielder who floats forward. Um, and that's the exciting thing about him and coming off an ACL and into that side, he, he's not going to feel a hell of a lot of pressure to have to play, you know, minute one, game one and, and perform. Um, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think that there was a, I mean, I, I sort of talked for a while about Phillips being, would have been a great selection for them to pair alongside Rao. Yep. Re- in reality, probably if you back that Rao, um already fills that slot and they have some guys that are pretty hard-nosed, um, which they have been recruiting most recently, then yep. someone who's a bit more of a balanced midfielder like Hollands really does fit their profile quite well. Um, yep. I, th- I think if I was looking at that top group and I was thinking if you had to wait for two players that you would really, really be desperate for in that side, I would have said that Hollands was one and probably Tilthorpe being the other, given that they just don't have a young Ruckman yet that I that I really feel like is coming through to replace Wits. But yep. uh, yeah, you'd be pretty stoked with Hollands. Yeah, look, I, I mean, yeah. it, it, without the ACL, he doesn't make it here. So that's probably the, you know, the thing. And, and these days with ACLs, I mean, I know clubs worry about them, but it's not like it once was. Um, like a lot of guys have had ACL injuries and... You know, they've had one and that's it. And, you know, that, that it just comes down to how they manage them. And so I think yeah. I think this kid will be, you know, I think it'll be fantastic at, at the Gold Coast. You know, um, you're going to have him, you're going to have Rao, you've got Anderson, um, they've got Sam Flanders to come in. Like they've just got a mixture of uh, heights, weights, body shapes, the way they come in and out of stoppages. So... You know, Flanders, who's a very direct coming out of a stoppage versus, you know, Hollands comes very sideways out of stoppages. He's a very lateral mover. Um, and then you've got kind of, you know, the, the Anderson type, which is a bit more, you know, kind of jinx and jives his way through using that agility. Um, and and Raoul, who just is an absolute pure extractor. So you kind of look at it and you go, that's a really exciting midfield. And then throw on top of that, they've got Alex Davies to come in there. Um, plus, they've got you know Greenwood and Took Miller and David Swallow, and that's still going round. You know, in in three years' time, this side is scary good if they can hold their talent together. Um, yeah, Alex Davies totally. is another mid. He's a big midfielder as well. He's one ninety two, so you know it's a it's a wicked um, 
freebie outside of the draft that we talked about a lot last year. Um, and then they've also got Joel Jeffrey, who's a like a 192 centimeter um, kid on springs who, who will, you know, they got through the NT zoning. Um, and he's, you know, he's that kind of, yeah, 192 mid-size forward um, who's very creative, great at ground level. You know, a, a kid I absolutely really love. And, yeah, they've, they've, they're lucked out here. They've got three kids who are genuine top 20 uh, in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have. Um, I mean, rating them is hard because they didn't really have to do anything. Um, I mean, that's what we were always saying with this selection. It was just a matter of waiting and then selecting whichever player came through to you because it was always going to be one of that group at the top. Yeah. Um, Davies was a concession and Jeffrey was a concession player. So for me, I can't rate them anything other than just a five, straight five, because, I mean, they didn't stuff it up. So maybe I can give them a five and a half. Um, but they because they didn't really have to do anything here to to make it a, a success so yeah just a five for me yeah yeah look and, and that's not to say they had a bad one <laughs> they had a very very good draft but yeah I think they yeah, did they... they did exactly what we expected they picked the best available player out of the the group the top seven players yeah so, uh... I mean for the, yeah for those of you who haven't listened before for us five out of ten is met expectations they they didn't do anything outside of what we would have expected so that they just get a met expectations. Yeah. All righty. So that's pretty, uh, that was pretty simple. <laughs> on, it was really easy. Onto the Giants. So they started before all the sliding around. They started with 10, 13, 15, 20, 26, and 88. They... Uh, they made a few moves on draft night, which you can run through, but they, uh, with their first pick, they picked Tanner Brune at t- pick 12, Connor Stone, um, I guess a forward midfielder at 15, Ryan Angwin, uh, a, a midfielder as well um, at 18, and then Cameron Fleeton at pick 58, and Jacob Ware at pick 59. So, um, yeah, uh where to start? Uh, what trades did they make? Probably trades. The the big trade that they made was acquiring uh, Collingwood's future first round pick, pick. So that was a move where they gave up picks twenty four, thirty, and a future fourth for Collingwood's future first round pick. Um, which maybe on points, if you assumed Collingwood finished in the same position this year as they do next year, would have been somewhat close. Um, with 24 and 30 holding a bit of points and Collingwood pick being somewhere by the end of it around the 14 to 16 mark. Um, but on expected value for next year, um, it was a good trade for the Giants. Offloaded some picks that they probably didn't need after having a good draft already and um, got access to a future first round pick, which could be a top 10 pick. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, so how do you see Broom? He's a, uh, he's a bit interesting of a, one. Yeah. I mean, he, he was someone that I wasn't, uh, like, I mean, we've already talked about it in this episode. I don't like not having a whole lot of data of playing data on people. And if we're talking about lack of playing data in the last two years, Broom is like the example given that he missed all of last year, uh, with, 
an injury and all of this year with the COVID. So he, look, he could have been um, he could have been the best midfielder in this draft, and that was probably how some saw him. Um, given that most of the people that have talk highly of them, uh, remember him in under 16s, I think a lot changes between under 16s and under 18s. Sometimes it doesn't. Like you have guys like Tillthorpe who do really well at under 16s, continue to grow and continue to dominate. But uh, for me, I think that there's um, like it's a huge period of growth for a lot of players. And he's 183, so he's not tall, he's not short. Um, he's not incredibly quick. Um, like he doesn't have a bad athletic base, but he's he's not quick and um, people see him as sort of like a classy midfielder with a little bit of toughness. Um, for me, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not completely sold that he's going to be a complete gun, but at this pick, it was probably the right spot for him to go. Um, given that he has high upside compared to some of the other players around this pick as well. So that was a pretty good pick. I mean, the harder ones were Stone and Angwin. Um, Stone was liked by a few people um, and was probably going to go somewhere around here anyway. Angwin was an interesting one because probably two, three weeks before the draft, whenever the combine results were coming out, um, I saw Angwin's um, time trial results um, and I was like, wow, this kid can run. I wonder if that's going to affect his draft order. I wonder if finishing really, really highly in the athletic testing is going to push him up, um, and it did for me. Um, yeah. it, it's it's one of those years where the athletic profiles um, influence the draft order more than ever before because we don't have a bulk of consistency in watching people play. Yep. So I think that it's probably overs in his case, um, overs in Connor Stone's case, and I, I don't know enough about Fleet and... And where, but again, it's it's one of those. It's a hard draft to tell. Yeah, so I, I probably Broom. I think he was the best at pick twelve, um, given he's got tremendous upside. Um, you know, you with kids who pick up injuries, you always wonder. You know, what could they have been? And and you know, it's a bit like was it Dill Williams last year who had the back injury? Um, you know, uh, he, yeah, he. I think he'll be a solid pick. Um, and while Angwin's got a really good athletic profile, he's also quite intelligent. Like he knows like he's a very well-balanced midfielder and, and he's he just knows where to go to get the pill. So, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's not a complete athletic pick. It's a, it's a, I guess it's different to someone like Max Holmes, you know, who we were just talking about before who is a real athletic pick. Like he's got the athletic base and then there's not a lot of other data around him. With Angwin, you could see that there's, there is a lot of high IQ ability there. And he's, he's got a, you know, I think he's got a reasonable ceiling in front of him for a guy at pick 18. The, the question marks on him are, you know, his size, like he's 184 and only, you know, 75 ish kilos. He's going to have to put on a lot of weight. What's that going to do with his endurance base? So, you know, if, if he's going to play that inside-outside balanced midfielder, he probably needs to be about, you know, 83, 84 kilos. That's almost 10 kilos you've got to put on. How does that affect your athletic base? You know, that that's my kind of question mark with him. Um, yep. Connor Stone, I love that. I love it. I think he's, you know, again, another high IQ player. Um, he's he's the endurance version of... of um, 
of Jordan Degoe, where Degoe is that explosive type athlete. Um, Stone is not that. He's a more endurance guy, but the way he plays forward and, and I'm, you know, talking about his bottom age year and what I saw of him, he he plays the man a little bit behind, creates his own space, reads the ball off the boot really quickly and really well. And so in that way, he, he actually enables himself to get the best of one-on-ones. So I think that he's he's certainly got, you know, a tremendous upside. And in a draft like this, you look at a kid like that who is a high IQ player who can run all day and obviously with the rule changes as we spoke about, you know, it's very tempting. And that, and I think that did put him at a premium. So maybe, you know, last year's draft he would have, you know, assuming it was all the same and this rule change wasn't made, he's probably a, a pick in the early 20s and he's jumped up five or six positions. Um, yeah, just, yeah, no, so, that seems fair. Yeah, that seems so. like a fair assessment. I mean, the the Angwin thing sort of was interesting and annoying to me a little bit because he was being compared a lot to Xavier Dersma. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, I think it's a lazy comparison. Like Xavier Dersma can run all day, uh, and they both come from Gippsland. Um, <laughs> so that, that's that's for me is this is as far like as is the long and the short of it. There's there's no more to the connection. Um, and when you looked at Dersma in a super draft year, so very different draft profile, um, again, um, more data. Dersma was a player that had played at and performed at an elite level for the entire season in every role that he played yeah. and had played some really good football um, at state level as well. So he, he just had runs on the board to complement the, the athletic profile. The athletic profile wasn't the thing that made him stand out. It was his ability. And then you go, oh, and the kid can run. Okay, that makes him a bit different. Whereas this is sort of the opposite of that. This is, we don't have a whole lot of data on the on the kid. He, he can play football and man, can he run? Um, and, and that's sort of how the selection has been made. So it's much more, again, of an athletic profiling yeah. um, rather than a skills profiling and complementing with an athletic base. Yeah, And this year, that's just what we've seen. That's just what they've seen, yeah. yeah. And um, I guess talking about Fleet, and I don't know a lot about him, um, he's kind of that another 192-ish defender, so you hope he can grow a little bit, um, probably just building that defensive stock. And, and Jacob Ware, I think, was a, an older age guy, one that the Draft Central boys liked, who uh, plays off halfback. So he's a... He's about 185 centimetres or something around there from South Australia. Uh, played for West Tor- Woodville West, West yeah. Torrens, I think. So, yeah, um, good. Good to see a mature age picked by the Giants again. I like the way that they pick mature ages and Fleet is quick. Um, I guess Fleet um, in the name sort of gives that away. Fleet of um, foot. Yes, um, but again, it's just a development prospect. Um, a lot of the players picked around this that area of the draft are either mature ages or development prospects. Yep, yep. So where do you you see this as a draft for the Giants? I mean, I'm a little bit torn here, so I'm keen to hear what you you rate them as first. Um, Yeah, again, so it's really really subjective, this draft, and I guess our our kind of thoughts on it. Um, I really do love the Connor Stone pick. I think the Tanner Broon pick's a big tick as well because he's probably the best at pick 12 they were going to have access to. Angwin maybe a little bit of a stretch, and and like you said, I don't I, like a, you know, the Jacob Ware selection doesn't doesn't seem too bad either, um, at the back there. Yeah, there's also the, the trade to to give up 
two mid to late twenties picks and get a future first round. So that's good yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it's gambling that Collingwood bombs next year. Um, which yeah, exactly. look, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're paying people to beat us next year, so maybe we are bombing. Paying people to beat you round one, I've heard. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say you. Uh, I said us first. It, it's, it's look. We all know that I don't mean that. It's just that it's hard to get out of the habit of saying us when I talk about Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, I'll probably give them. Um, so what's that? Tick, Fox Sports, eh? Oh, that's, that'd be an A, wouldn't they, on Fox Sports or something? B-pop, yeah, five, five and a half. Five and a half. Um, what I'll do... Yeah, look, I'd actually probably give them... I'm going to give them a six. The, okay. the Connor Stone one I really like. I just... Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give them a five and a half. Um, I, I think they made some they made some good moves. I think that... Uh, I mean, I think the Angwin pick was a little bit off. Um, and, and as I said, the, I would have liked some more data across the board, but that, that happens kind of, kind of everything you want. I think that's um, going to be the, the, the general comment from you is I'd like more data on this, but unfortunately yeah. we don't have more data, mate. Yeah, I know. But I mean, there are players that you do have more data on. I mean, as I said, Tanner Brune hasn't played for two years. So there, there's, there's a bigger gap there. Um, whereas... Tom Powell, for example, has played both years. Um, and I know we're not up to North Melbourne yet. Um, I'm just looking at him because he went one selection later. Um, yeah. But he won the best and fairest in the Sample Colts this year. Um, Sample under 19s or under 18. So there are there is more data available for some interstaters. Um, and in the case of Tanner Bruin, there's next to no data available just because he hasn't played. Um but you're right. I always do want more data. Um, let's just switch over to the Hawks so I can get out of this one. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so the Hawks uh, picked one of the Listic's favourites at pick six. Oh, sorry, I should start. They started with picks four, 24, 45, 46, 49, and 72 being the point-scoring DVI picks. Um, and obviously they had Connor Downey as an NGA. So with pick six, they took Denver Granger Brass. Um, big key defender, uh, 29, they took Seamus Mitchell, who's a, a small forward. Um, and then the bid came in at pick 35 for Connor Downey, which they matched, um, being a half-back wingman. Um, and Tyler Brockman was taken at pick 46. Um, and Tyler Brockman's another small forward. Um, but two very different small forwards. Um, did they do any trades on draft night? Did they ever, mate? Um, they gained a... Future second round pick, two future fourth round picks, and lost a future third round pick. So they were very active um, and really, I, th- I think, active in good areas. Um, so gaining a second round pick, losing a third, but gaining two fourths back, I think that's just that's smart. Um, I, typically, um, even though we don't know where bids are going to come, typically those two fourth rounders will end up somewhere in the 50s. Um, they'll slide up. Um, rather than sliding down because picks will come out in front of theirs. Yep. Uh, and the third rounder will probably hang around about where it is. The second rounder is just always a good additional selection to have. So, um, yeah, reasonably happy with their trades as well. They didn't have to give up a whole lot either to get them. Yeah, well, I mean, once the once the downy bid started to slide, um, they were able to offload quite a few of their picks and get value at the table. So 
I guess that's that's one advantage for clubs with NGA kids that are sliding is that often they can maximise the value of their picks as they um, as they unload their I guess their position. Yeah. Um, so I guess talking through the players, Denver Granger Brass, we've banged on about him long and long enough, I think. But um, excellent key defender. Um, you know they're starting to rebuild their spine, so he'll he'll. Uh, potentially even round one, he'll he'll line up at either centre half back or full back um, and and take a player. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really really good, good, good play selection. Could play Sicily's role from next year, given that Sicily's out for the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know he's skinny, but he's played against men the whole season uh, in the yeah. waffle. So you know, he he will not be overawed by the physicality of AFL, but the speed may be the thing that takes him a while to adjust to, especially being an intercept style player. You know, it'll just take him a little bit more time to get used to that speed. So, um, Seamus Mitchell, um, he's a, you know, I guess a high IQ small forward. Um, I, I don't think he's, um, like he's, he's like most small forwards, he's got, needs to have a good turn of foot. Um, I don't think he's... There wasn't anything there that I think when I was looking at his stats that stood out to me um, as, you know, wildly amazing. I might eat my words here. Oh, no, 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 no. 2.88. So, actually, no, so he's fairly quick. (laughs) Um, Yeah. My apologies. But, yeah, he's 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 just a little crafty, small forward. Um, And I guess, yeah, yeah, he's... There's not much really. He just needs to put on a bit of weight, um, and they're, they're obviously that's a position they're really lacking in. Um, with obviously Poppy going, Bruce getting older, you know, so it's a, it's a longer term. It fits the way Hawthorne build their list, I think. Yeah, I agree, and it, it fits people being pressure players, um, going put real pace in that forward line to be able to trap the ball in there. Um, yeah. So don't don't mind the selection, and Downey was a a good. A good place to get down in the draft as well. Um, That's pro- really at the end of the second round. Yeah, I guess kind of before the draft, it's interesting. I was debating whether we were overrating Downey because he was a part of the of the Hawks Academy, or like De- for, for me, I definitely thought that he was being overrated before the season, um, and, and people were talking about him when they were overhyping the whole. Uh, compromise draft thing. Yes. And I was saying he could be a first round pick. Um, I, did, I never thought that he was going to be a first round pick. Um, may, maybe somewhere in the later parts of the first round, but certainly not in the early parts of the first round. And, um, but I mean, he's a reasonable player um, by the same token. So um, I think this is about his range, uh, maybe yep. even on the back end of his range. So it's, it's just better than a better than it coming early. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's um, I think for like for Hawthorne, um, you know they've got Scrimshaw, obviously Sicily as well, uh, and he's so Downey I think is a little bit shorter than Scrimshaw and Sicily, so he's one eighty five. Um, yep. in that in that defender role has reasonably good endurance, so you know the question is, could they push him up to a wing? Uh, maybe over time they could. Um, uh, you know. He's a player, he's a linking player, and that's what Hawthorne like. And, you know, as you'd expect coming out of the Hawthorne Academy, he's got a fairly decent kick on him, you know, can hit targets. So, you know, there's, there's, a, lot to, there's a lot to like um, about him. Um, I guess, though, when I look at him, 
I just see a good AFL player potential. Like, like his ceiling isn't huge. I guess is probably more. yeah. I don't think his ceiling's huge either. I think that it, at best you get like a, a role player, which is fine um, with the thirties pick and the types of picks that I'm more happy with this year is just get a player that can probably add into your best twenty two um, and use the early parts of this draft and the next draft to to get players that are gonna. I guess, take you to the next level. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Brockman, the last selection, um, just just a guy who worked himself in over the year um, into contention, um, small, another small forward for them, um, another one with lots of speed and, and can, you know, kick, create goals, um, has, a, has a really good kind of defensive work rate, um, so good tackler and stuff. So it'll be, it'll be good to see, um, I guess, Hawthorne, you know, probably next year we'll start to blood a lot of these kids, and I'll be really interested to see Seamus Mitchell versus Tyler Brockman because I kind of had them rated similarly, and uh, yeah. they've gone twenty-ish picks apart. So yeah, that's a, that's sort of how this draft worked, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's very much um, yeah. I mean, I'll be I'll be really interested to see how they both go, and especially given that Brockman actually had runs on the board this year, whereas. Um, I don't think Mitchell did. I mean, the only runs on the board that you need this year, mate, is a good time trial, a good 20-meter sprint. Um, it, it matters a lot more this year, as we sort of touched on, that, that if you're going to break uh, the land speed record um, and use that to get drafted, this is the year to do it in because his runs on the board were at least comparable to Max Holmes, who went nine picks earlier. Um, Max Holmes has more of a AFL frame, but that's, I mean, it's, it's not a runs on the board year. Yes. Yeah. So, and with that, we're, we're onto my boys, Melbourne, um, and, and probably a good chance to talk about players that have upside, but maybe not runs on the board. Cause I think we drafted three of them. <laughs> um, yeah. so we, we started off with picks 18, 19, 28, 50, um, as being the point scoring picks, uh, with pick twenty one, we took Jake Bowie, a uh, small forward. Um, pick twenty two, we took Bailey Laurie, who is probably a small ish half forward midfielder. Um, yeah. And with pick thirty four, we took Fraser Rosman, who is pure athletic um, upside, and uh, he's a, a wingman slash forward at one ninety three centimeters. So. I'll let you tee off on us first, mate, and then um, and then I'll pick up the reins from there. Uh, not, not a whole lot of need to tee off here. It's pretty standard. Melbourne um, recruited three players from the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, I'm sure that they... They can't <laughs> they, they um, that way, do they? They are. They're just... It's, it's, it's an easy drive between Melbourne and Casey to go see those games on the way. Um, you get to go to all the private schools on the way through as well. So it's a good area um, and, and it's just typical Melbourne, um, the way that they approach drafting. No, look, I was um, I was reasonably impressed with Melbourne's draft. I don't necessarily love the players that they selected, but I like the approach that they took, which was filling holes, um, which I don't think has been a strategy they've taken at the draft table for some time. Um, so they went out and got players that had difference to the existing players in the list. 
and players that had high upside. Um, Rossman, I really like um, in terms of a frame of a footballer. Um, so 81 kilos, 193 centimetres tall. He seems yep. like a Sean Lewis type of player. Um, yeah, absolutely that, is my type of player. I think I picked him yep. for Melbourne in our mock draft. Good man. Um, and, and the other two are sub-180 centimetre, um, sub-180 centimetre forward mids um, or mid forwards, depending on which way you see it. So I uh, think that... Yeah, I think Bowie's definitely a small forward. Laurie, Laurie is in uh, like could be an outside midfielder, but I think I think probably the biggest thing with the with the, the first two selections and probably the shock for Melbourne recruiters um, is they went for guys that actually can hit a target. No, they did. Surely not. No, no. They, honestly, they, you can go have a look at the vision of those boys. They can hit yeah, targets. I know. It's, I know. It's shocked me, mate. I th- I almost fell off my chair. I was disgusted. <laughs> It wasn't another inside midfielder. I, I look to be honest. I wouldn't have been shocked if we had to taken Nathan O'Driscoll. <laughs> yeah, that seems much more appropriate. I mean, Nathan O'Driscoll's not even a bad selection, but I yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, like we definitely didn't. We don't need another inside midfielder. But no, look, I, look, I'm I'm actually I've the longer like I really like the Rosman selection. Like you, um, I didn't like Bailey Laurie at 22. I didn't mind that either. Um, I really felt yeah. we ne- we needed a tall wingman, so yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping for a Poulter or or Cook. Um, yep, would have been yeah. You know, Cook it, yeah. Cook instead of Bowie might have been more appropriate. Well, I think Bowie's there because I mean, at the moment, you know, last year we were playing um, uh, Cozzy and uh, Charlie Spargo as a small forward, so we just I, I don't mind the Bowie selection because it just improves that small forward group. Um. Any, any, you know, he can potentially put pressure. Like Melbourne, at least at the at the selection table, Melbourne's shown no fear in playing young kids. So, you know, for for Bowie, he'll be there to put pressure on straight away onto Charlie Spargo for his spot. So, yeah, um, I don't mind that. And and look, like he's a he's a high IQ player who can hit targets. So, um, I don't mind it at all. Uh, Bailey Laurie. Um, I guess more of a flanker, uh, a bit smaller, but uh, looking at his kicking on the vision that I've seen um, and the very limited times I did see him play, he's you know he doesn't doesn't waste it is probably the way to describe him. So you know that that to me is something that Melbourne really needs, and if he's to play off a off a half forward flank um, and play that linking role, I think. You know, if he can develop a bit more of a body, you know, put a bit more weight on, um, he could become very dangerous for Melbourne as that, you know, um, kind of uh, guy taking the mark around the 70 metres out and looking to hit up. So, um, and then, yeah, and then Rosman is exactly what we needed. Uh, I really did think we needed a tall wingman and he is a tall wingman um, who can also mark and play forward and, and he's got a, you know, fairly nice uh, raking left foot kick, as, as we like to say. Um, and really for him, the question comes down to, you know, he's got all the athletic profile to make AFL. The question mark on him is, is has he, will he make it? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a relatively complete summary as well. Um, it's, I, I, I liked it. Compared to what I, I normally think after a Jason Taylor-led draft, 
um, where I'm normally led a little bit confused. I, I liked the selections um, and I think that they all have the potential to – That's the, I think the thing I like the most is that I look at it and go, I can see you all being in the best 22 at some stage. Um, it, it's it's not like, a, as I said, not going, oh, I don't know if you've actually got the ability. Um, this seems like a shock pick to me. These yeah. teams feel like shock picks. I mean, there's a lot of surprises in this draft, but uh, I think that these were quite surprises to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you're spot on. Like you looked at it and you go, oh, I can see the roles these guys are going to fill. Like, Yeah, look, I, I still, for me, can't rate it. Did we rate the Hawks? We didn't. I was just thinking that. Yeah, well, look, I'm going to finish rating the Ds. For me, I can't rate it anything above a five because for me, they've been below expectations for a few years and this is just getting back towards a position where I'm pretty comfortable with what they did. Was, um, was, la- was they last did. year below expectations? Yeah. Well, only because they took Jackson, Jackson over over Young. Yeah. There was, there was a few things about last year, but I mean... Yes, I didn't think Cozzy at 11 either. Like, I mean, there's been some 30s picks the year before that. Look, we don't have to go into it now. Mm. For me, it was below expect. It was, it was, this was an expectations draft. Well, it didn't meet expectations. It was surprising to me, but I wasn't disappointed. Well, your expectations are 5.5, so you, you've marked them down clearly. No, I haven't. My expectations is a five. <laughs> they, they get a five. But your 5.5 is the Fox Sports A. It is. And this is not a Fox Sports A. Unfortunately, they don't get an A. Oh, the dagger to the heart. Okay. Um, yeah, look, uh, look, I agree. They're five. I, I think it was a good a good, good picks. I'm not disappointed um, with the types of players we've got or, you know, the, the upside to all of them. And like we said, you can see all of them having a spot in the best 22. Um, yep. But I, I guess... Um, it wasn't, you know, if they had have taken Cook at 22 or Poulter at 22, I probably would have given them a higher part mark. Um, yep. But, yeah, that's all right. It is what it is. So, uh, And then, look, that just comes down to personal preference. But I think, yeah, I think it's it's a good draft for Melbourne and it'll be interesting to see, especially Bowie next year. I think Bowie's got a, a real chance. Even though he's quite small, I think he's got a real chance at, at playing early. So, um, with that, uh, Hawks, what do we, what do we rate them? Um, yeah, the Hawks, I, I, five and a half for me. The five for me recovered by their trading. Um, so the, the fact that they gained a future second round pick, um, on top of their drafting, um, I liked, I thought that they made a good selection for their team early. Um, again, Probably just met expectations. I didn't like uh, four and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with you. I like the fact that they made the the trades, but now when I think about the players that they selected as well, it's more like a four for me. Um, so oh, I the said, four and a half is a little bit recovered. I said five and a half. So wow, I, you said five and a half. So I, I, four and a half is me then. Yeah, look, I, I actually, I, I look at the team and you know Brockman and Mitchell are two players they don't have, and while they could have. I think at Mitchell's pick at 29, they could have picked a different player that might have been better. So Poulter is the one that comes to mind, who I think was the next pick. Um, Given that they've lost a fair few small forwards and they've got one on the way out, 
it's not the worst thing in the world. And yeah, I think they've picked for their list. So I, I didn't, and, and then the trading is what took it from a five. Like I probably would have given them a five for their drafting. And then, um, yeah, they're trading to it to a five and a half. So fair enough. I've, I've you brought me back to a five, um, <laughs> but I, I was, it was just because we went past it and I stopped thinking about it. Um, but definitely the trading improved things for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, We've done one, two, three, four, five. This is the sixth club, so this is the last club for this episode, um, North Melbourne. Yep. So North started with pick two, pick 11, pick 30, 39, and 71 being the uh, DVI points picks. Um, and with their first pick at pick three, they took Will Phillips. At pick 13, they took Tom Powell. Um, two inside midfielders or inside-outside midfielders. Charlie Lazaro at 36. Uh, Phoenix Spicer at 42. Um, a nice little selection at 56 in Eddie Forward. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Ford, I should say. So, um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one to rate because um, obviously Will Phillips at pick three being the big surprise uh, that people were talking about. Um, I probably didn't see it as big a surprise. Like I felt that he was pick three worthy. Um, but yep. probably more the surprise is that they passed on a key defender and a key forward. So yeah, yeah, that is you're right. It was much more of the surprise was that if uh, when I was looking at it, I love Will Phillips. I thought that he might have gone if Gold Coast had pick one. I thought that he might have gone pick one. Um, I really rate him as a midfielder. I thought that he was only going to improve in people's eyes this year when people saw his leadership in action in under 18s. Um, he would have led by example and with the numbers. And off the field, he's, he's, he's going to be a great leader for them. So I understand that selection. I'm a build the spine first type of player. Um, so I probably would have taken a key post, probably given their team, I would have gone a key defender. Um, but uh, given that they um, they went elsewhere, like, I mean, it's 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 not a really big loss. And again, that's just personal preference. But I think that given that Tall's take a, little bit longer to come on than smalls i like to draft them a little bit earlier as well um but that that was probably the only thing there i really like the selection of tom power like players that have got runs on the board i think i mentioned this earlier um and i mean winning the best and fairest um or the the league-wide best and fairest in south australia is very good um wins a lot of the footy and I like that in players as well. Um, when they're when they're coming through, is the ability to just get their hands on the ball a lot, um, and it'd be interesting to see. Given we didn't get to see him at state level, um, what the what the step up for him is like. He didn't play a whole lot of senior football over there, so will be interesting to see whether he plays early next year or if he's got some time to develop still. Mm-hmm. And all of their later selections were interesting. Um, Phoenix Spicer um, has some high upside. Eddie Ford, high upside. Lazaro, probably not as high upside in my mind, but um, still a really good, tough player. Reminds me of North Melbourne. So I wasn't, I I was pretty impressed with the draft. I liked it as a whole. Um, Didn't love it. Probably will still end up sitting just below expectations because of that first pick. Yeah. But it's not because I didn't like that first pick. Yeah, so I'm very much with you. I build the spine first is is the way I would look at it. So Phillips at three with uh, McDonald and Granger Brass still on the board, you know. Um, but at the same time, like Phillips, what does he bring? You know, 
I think you said it, you know, they've just drafted their next captain after uh, Luke Davies Uniac or, <laughs> or something like oh, that. It probably, it probably streaks past Davies Uniac. Um, like, I mean, this guy's a leader, um, like a real leader through and through type. Um, he was, he's probably a better leader, pure leader than, than Real was um, and, and probably more in the mould of uh, a Selwood type of captain. Um, so I I really rate people that go in and pick their next captains because captains and leadership is something that's really hard to come by, especially yeah. if you're drafting for culture, which I rate as well. It was just because of the types of profiles that were available in this draft that I thought that they may have gone yeah. tall forward or tall defender, as you said. And- Logan McDonald's and um, Denver Granger Breast on the board um, was always going to be hard to pass up on yeah and and the fact that both of those guys are you know by all accounts impeccable characters and and also you know um you know we saw we saw a lot of granger brass in his bottom age year and and he was you know certainly very vocal um down back um providing guidance even as a bottom ager um, to his, his older teammates um, in in under eighteen, so it's not as if they don't; those other guys don't have it. But but Phillips, as you said, that's probably one of his strengths is that potential leadership there. So, look, I, I don't mind it. Um, I love Tom Powell at thirteen. I was really scared that he was just going to slide into the thirties because you know he's just he's a you know guy who just attracts the pill a bit. Like I guess um, there's been a couple of sliders like him. Maybe not as high skilled as him, but you know, like Tom Sparrow comes to mind, and um, Luke Valente as well, um, yeah. and and so I kind of uh, even Luke Dunstan going back a while, um, all had kind of similar resumes. Um, Powell probably a little bit better, um, but yeah, it was great to see him get pick thirteen. Um, you know, he's the kind of player I would love at Melbourne if we didn't have a plethora of inside midfielders already. Um, but yeah. I, I just think he's he's a great pick um, at this at this selection and and probably higher than a lot of people rated him, but very much where I I saw him um, in and around. I thought I saw him as equal with Tanner Brune in a lot of ways. I probably would have taken Brune on on overall ceiling, but but Powell very much runs on the board. Just you know, um, just like when you talk about high IQ players, watch him at a stoppage. He just knows where to get it. And, and those kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's what you said about Rao, like even, like when you think about it, just knows where to be. And I'm not comparing him to Rao. I'm just saying that that type of player, Dev Robertson's another one, you know, who yep. just know how to, where the ball's going to be in a stoppage. You know, that high IQ is just really, really being overlooked more repetitively these days um, for yep. other facets. So it was good to see him get paid. And, and you look, when you write down on paper, the, the kangaroos midfield in five years time jesus looking strong if these guys live up to their potential so yeah and um, look i mean potentially they see it as you build the midfield first because mid good midfielders make it easier for young forwards um so you don't have to be dealing with crap entry as well um like you have a little bit easier time getting free but as i said it's more just a preference thing with that first yeah. pick and i don't think i don't think they're they're not they're not lacking. Um, they're not lacking a key like they're, sorry. They're one key forward and one key defender short, but they're not like missing both. They're not haven't got you know each end. They haven't got guys who are who are significantly aging. 
Yeah. So like, sorry. Yeah. So they got kind of yeah. You know what I mean? Like they've got one young gun at each. one young gun gun at each end. They haven't got you know they you know they could have another one at each end, which would be nice. But potentially next year they might be able to draft that instead. Um, Lazaro at thirty six. Uh, another one. The draft central boys would be gone. Um, he's uh, you know just just a bit of a slippery customer. It's probably the way I kind of look at him. Um, he. I don't see where he ends up at AFL yet. Um, you know, does he end up a bit in that, you know, forward who who rotates through the midfield a little bit? Or is he more of a midfielder that will, you know, go through the bench and up forward? I'm not really sure. Um, but he certainly got a lot of AFL attributes, which is really good. Um, Phoenix Bicer, don't know a lot about him, so I'll, I'll leave that one with your assessment. But Eddie Ford, I, I really like um, as a as a real kind of um, high scope player for them, um, and and certainly one that was thought that he would go inside the thirties or forties. Um, so he slid, and you know he's, um, I guess he's a what does he play? He's like a one eighty nine centimeter um, midfielder forward. Um, you know, he just, you know, like all players this year, he probably has lost a year in development, so you don't really know where he's going to end up. Um, and I guess that's up to the ruse. Like, if they can get some good time in the in the twos into him um, and play him in the midfield, maybe in the twos, he might become a midfielder, but he, he's probably now projecting as more of a, a kind of a Bailey Fritsch-style forward um, who just, you know, good, good clean mark, Knows how to knows how to use his body um, and, and you know reasonably nice kick for goal. So, yeah. like the summary, mate. It's I mean, there are yeah. I, as you said, there's a lot of who do you like in this draft, um, and I'd say that when I look at the draft central guys, they probably would have had uh, Eddie Ford. Much higher, somewhere in the probably in the twenties. Um, they they liked him a lot of this year, um, so there's a bit of that to it. Um, uh, but I, I like what they did in terms of making sure that they like. You know that I say this in other years as well, um, and this is probably one of the things I did like about Essendon, even though I didn't necessarily rate exactly who they picked. Was if you need a key defender, go draft two. Um, if you need some midfielders, go draft four. Um, don't don't just take one shot at the stumps and um, and hope that you get it right. Make sure that you get it right. So when you go and select Phillips, Powell, and then you, with the two later ones, Lazaro and Ford, you've got four midfielders. So two of them will work most likely. Um, that's how I see it in my head is the two of those guys will be AFL players. And maybe it ends up being... Ford and Phillips um, and Powell and Lazaro don't make it. But there's a lot of AFL players that don't make it. And if you need to fix a problem, don't just try to fix it with one pick. Try to fix it properly. Play the numbers, spread your bets, um, and and go find the players you need. So North obviously think ball winning is going to be an issue for us. So they've gone to try to fix that. And look with. So herein lies my question when we've got to come up with a rating for this one. Yes. Did they target the right area of the ground? What are you thinking? I don't know. Because I look at I them. Don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. Don't I know. look at their midfield 
and, and you know, Simkin, LDU, um, DeMont, like, you know. Darren Thomas, yeah. Darren Thomas still developing. They're not they're not short on on midfielders. Um, yeah, I mean, look, every, every, every club has, what, four midfielders for every key forward? Say, like I say, two key forwards, two key backs, um, and and a lot of mids. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's how most teams work. I mean, if we're looking at someone like Larky, he's a pretty high, like I mean, a good young key forward. Um, so they have that. I mean, it was still the key back area that sort of fell down for me. But when I was looking, like you know, that I didn't rate guys like Zach Reed um, and. Uh, a whole lot of those tall 200 to 204 centimeter types that were taken around the early teens, late tens. Uh, I didn't rate them. Nick Cox, Zach Reed, um, there's one other, I can't remember his name right now, but I didn't rate them, but just, pardon? Chapman? No, it wasn't. Uh, it's fine. It's it slipped out of my head now anyway. Um, I don't know if he ended up going a bit later in the end, but. Uh, it might have just been those two, and I was confusing them and pretending that there was a third. But for me, they just didn't have like they just don't have the runs on the board. It's 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 always my thing that I say. So if you were north and you were in that earlier range, and you're going, do we want Granger Barras? Maybe we can get a key defender next year with a lower selection and, and get a. We don't need an interceptor right now. What we'll get is just a key, um, and with picks thirteen. Um, and what else did we have? Um, 36. 13 and 36. We're probably not in the range to get a key defender. Um, maybe we could have got Chapman. So maybe they could have taken Chapman and again, he's an interceptor. Um, so maybe they just weren't in the right range for one, but I probably think they targeted the wrong areas. I mean, for me, it's probably a four and a half just based on that with the first selection. And I like Will Phillips. It's just a... I mean, if you went, to put it this way, if you went with either Logan McDonald or Granger Barras with pick three and then had Powell, Lazaro, Spicer, Eddie Ford, pretty balanced draft hand. Um, got, got a key forward, got three midfielders, got a small forward. I would have said that's a pretty balanced draft and probably given them somewhere between a five and a five and a half. Um it's only because that first pick tips things the other way. Also, if they went Will Phillips and then took Chapman at 13 and the rest of the draft the exact same, I probably would have given them a higher rating. It's a, it is a balancing act, and you're right. I think that they probably just went the a little bit heavy in the wrong direction, this draft. I would have liked to have seen them in the rookie draft take a Kane Baldwin. That. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would have liked to have seen a lot of people take a cane ball, but I think that the, the injury factor has scared off a lot of people. I think a lot of teams will probably regret that decision, but anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, like, what do I think? Jeez. Because that's the thing, like, you look at the picks and there's there's a lot of ticks. So you're kind of like, yeah, they've drafted well. Um, just that list fit. And that's really where it comes down to. And this is, and this is the real subjectivity to it, isn't it? So it's like, I don't think North had a bad draft, but in terms of where, what I expected them to do, and maybe, you know, this is just their read on their list versus our read on their list. I probably, 
um, I'll probably give him a four and a half as well. Um, yeah, and, and I don't do just, that. I don't do that lightly because I, I actually, I actually really rate who they've picked. But yeah, it's with it's with a heavy heart. It's yeah. with a heavy heart that we give them a four and a half. I, I'm not enjoying this four and a half like I enjoy giving Essendon a five rather than a six. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. Um, uh, I can't wait till the Essendon hate comes through for you. <laughs> Come on, mate. That's a, that's just a funny joke about the fact that people think that I hate Essendon when I don't. It's just a funny joke. This is this is much like it's much harder. I think for that exact reason that I said, if I saw Phillips and Chapman, I would this would have been a five or at a five and a half. And if and I saw, yeah, I, I would have been pretty happy with it. And it, and if I went um, Granger, Barras, and Powell, it probably would have been a five or a five and a half. It, w- it would have been somewhere in that range. Like, I think you're right. They probably just needed a key defender as well as this group. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, I know, I know that I'm a fan of people that go out and fix issues by getting lots of the same type, but potentially you're right that even if they went the other way and went Granger, Barras and Chapman, uh, maybe then I would have given them a six. Maybe I would have been really stoked. Um, I'm yeah. sort of trying to imagine different situations panning out, I probably think that I would have been really stoked with that arrangement. Um, yeah. Or, or even so. Logan McDonald and Chapman. Yep. Like, that yeah, would have exactly. been, you know, a good, a good draft hand there, um, like a good draft hall. And, and I think that just ultimately, you know, not to, for the North fans out, they're not to take it badly because it's, you know, you've still done excellently and in five years' time, you're going to have an amazing midfield. It's going to be competing with the amazing midfield of the Gold Coast at that time. Um, but I guess in terms of the build, I look at, you know, Gold Coast, they do have their bookends sorted. And yes, they've had a lot of AFL charity, so we're not taking that away. But, you know, they've got their bookends sorted. They're, they've, you know, probably a ruck short, as John mentioned before. Um, but overall, they're, they're, their list is in shape, ready to go in four or five years. And if you're trying to develop a, a key forward in a couple of years' time, you know, that's potentially... Um, going to be the issue um, for North and, um, and and probably a limiting factor in you guys pushing back up the ladder. So uh, I would have liked to have seen, I guess, for your list, you guys take a key position forward or a key position defender with at least one of the early picks. Um, that said, I still think, yeah, you've drafted really well. You've drafted good kids. Um, and, you know, they may prove us completely wrong. <laughs> They may. I mean, that's on them. Um, I mean, it's like with everything, there are a few clubs where we sort of feel right and, and we sort of look them over the years and go, yeah, we, we pipped them pretty well um, and we said they should have done this, they didn't and now things are working out badly for them. There are others where they um, they go the opposite way and we say you should have done this, they choose another direction and it works and you go, okay, then, well, that's interesting. Um, I didn't expect that. So, Hopefully that's the case for them. Um, they may just be doing things differently, which is completely fair. And really, I'm looking forward to wrapping up the rest of the club. So moving on, we'll have what Port Adelaide, Richmond, St Kilda, Sydney, West Coast, and the Western Bulldogs to come. Yep, I'm pretty excited about those. So yeah, no, it's um, hopefully everyone's enjoyed that wrap of six clubs and and i guess um thanks everyone for listening and um we look forward to to you sticking with us for the next podcast and and if we haven't got to your team we will very soon so 
Um, and yeah, wishing all the best to our, our, um, our friends up in New South Wales and hopefully everything starts to heal um, quickly um, and wishing everyone a merry and safe, happy Christmas festive period, New Year's and everything. So um, yeah, thanks guys for listening. Love you all. Thank you. Goodbye. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. Know when anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.